churches will say, I'll call them traditional churches, will say you're welcome. You know, all are welcome. But they will, you know, finish the sentence with, but we got to pray the gay away, you know. Um, and with the inclusive church, you're all welcome and already affirmed. You know, we're, we're not thinking you have to be prayed over. There's nothing wrong. You don't. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of black LGBTQIA plus individuals through an interview-style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA plus individual. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm here today with a very special guest. Pastor Val is in the building, y'all. We got the pastor today. (laughs) Pastor Val, introduce yourself to the people. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here today. I'm certainly thankful for uh, being allowed to be here on this platform with you all. Um, Valerie Oliver, uh, founding pastor of First Liberty Baptist Church of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I like to say Baptist because I have a Baptist background, but that doesn't mean everybody who comes to the church has to be Baptist. We are all inclusive. You know, you can be Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Catholic, uh, even of a different faith. Um, you are welcome here in this place because God is all inclusive. We are all inclusive. So whoever you are, your gender affections, your gender expressions, you are welcome here. Um, So I'm also a licensed uh, therapist um, who, I mean, I did that all my life, uh, my professional life. And then uh, God called me to to pastor and I said you know you can't be right you know this has to be a mistake you know because you you know who I am right you know and so <laughs> you know uh, right <laughs> God, God you know still call me and so I'm now a pastor um and so this is who I am and um I'm loving it because you know they kind of go hand in hand you know ministry and counseling you know it's like one and fits with the other you know and it works together perfectly so yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and it it, it, they do because i mean what first place most people go for counsel is is the church right and so to have a professional on the other side of that conversation a licensed professional you know that's an added bonus (laughs) you know that they'll tell you pray but here also do these five things right. <laughs> you exactly. know so that's amazing that's awesome well good we're, we're excited to have you we're definitely going to talk about the church we're going to talk about all the things you know that that go along with um you know being in the lgbt community and um you know being being uh, you know of the church uh whether whatever your denomination um you know i know a lot of us uh have had that struggle at some point in our lives you know how can these two things exist yeah. how is this possible you know, I don't, I don't understand what people are telling me versus how I feel. These are two different things. I know that God loves me, but how is that possible? All these things. So we definitely, definitely going to talk about all that. But first, we want the people to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so when do you, do, do you recall your, your kind of first encounter with your sexuality? When do you know that, you know, you might be into the ladies? <laughs> well, I was, I was really little. 
I think I was third grade. And, uh, you know, back then uh, we were going to Head Start at a, not Head Start. Well, I wasn't in Head Start. I was actually in the third grade, but uh, this pastor used to come and pick us up and bring us to the church for after school care or something like that. And I noticed that, you know, this other little girl used to ride with us. It was about five or six of us. And um, I just saw myself drawn to her and I was eight years old now. And, you know, I'm attracted to her, but I didn't understand it. It was just something about her and I certainly did not act on it. Uh, but I knew that there was something going on about this little girl in some kind of attraction, I call it now, but I didn't understand it then, but I just couldn't stop looking at her. And I'm only eight. You know, so that was, I believe, my first time realizing something was different, you know, uh, about me because I, I had always seen pictures of a man and a woman on TV, a man and a woman, my mom, man and a woman, you know, uh, and but uh, with me, you know, I didn't really understand until I got a little older. And when I got to be about 14 years old, I said, oh, you know, okay, this is what's going yeah. on. But I kept it a secret for a very long time. First time I acted on it was when I got to high school. Um, so for middle school, I had crushes after crush after crush, even on some mm -hmm. teachers, you know, and, um, and then when I got to high school around the age of 16, that's when I was, you know, my, my first intimate encounter with mm -hmm. a female. So nice. All yeah. right. Yeah. It's, it's always, it's usually pretty young for most people. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a pretty common theme uh, that I found. Um, so did you ever come out to your, your parents? Uh, you know, I never really sat down. My mom, uh, she reared us. Um, my my father, he passed away when I was very young, like around seven years old. I really never knew him very well because he and my mom had already separated or divorced uh, when I was really young. I think I was still a baby, maybe. And uh, so I really didn't know him that well when he passed. Um, so it's always just been my mom you know, and, and my siblings. And I never just really sat down and talked to her and said, mom, I have something to tell you. You mm -hmm. know, it, it, was, it wasn't like that, but she knew because I had been a tomboy all my life. Um, you know, I wanted to mimic every guy I saw. I played all the boy sports and everything. And well, I, you know, it was boy sports back then. We've come yes. a long way now, but yes. Um, but I, you know, it, but she knew, you know, and then she would see people, I'd bring people over, you know, friends or somebody I'm dating. So she knew, uh, mm -hmm. but she was the type of woman who would not say anything. Now, if something happened, she would bring it up, you know, um, for instance, um, I was, you know, young and kind of silly, you know, uh, around the age of 17, 18, got into a fight at a party. And there was this girl I was dating, you know, involved, um, um, not, I wasn't fighting her, but, you know, it was because of her and somebody else really, you know, got involved. But, um, 
then then she said something because you, you got know? to a fight over a girl <laughs> yeah and then she said something you know she's yeah. like well, you know you gotta you know be careful watch your circle but she never did really you know condemn me yeah. for you know being attracted to girls you know so but she knew mm-hmm. um but yeah and that's the only time she would say that. and i guess that's with anybody with any parent if something happened then they're going to bring up something you know watch what you're doing what you know you got to watch your circle whether you're straight gay or bisexual, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. you know yeah so yeah but she was not judgmental at all about it yeah not at all yeah, yeah louisiana seems to be a little different too i mean i've um i've talked to a few people uh that are from um louisiana and i think i say that because it's in the south of course and you know, the South has always kind of been, you know, pegged as like a little bit behind the progression in terms of just culturally, uh, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. And we understand why, you know, our, our uh, from a lineage and root perspective, you know, we all kind of at some point originate in the South. And so that's kind of the, the foundation of, of a lot of our, um, um, you know, religious principles and things like that. So we, 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 we definitely get that. But um growing up in Louisiana. So I imagine, <clears throat> so you never had a conversation with her, but once you had your first encounter, were you ever with men or were you always with, uh, with women? Well, you know, uh, in high school, I did try to figure out, you know, who I really was at <laughs> the time. So yeah, I, I, you know, I did have encounters with guys, um, but it, it, it was not like what I had been hearing the girls talk about, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it just wasn't all that to me, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, who are you guys talking about? And of course I was trying to fit in, you know, um, and it, it just did not work. And I found out that what they were ex- experiencing with guys, I would experience with a, a young lady, Yeah. You know? And uh, it just, you know, and I realized, hey, you know, this, this must be who I really am, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I did. You know, I tried it. I was trying to identify myself, you know, and, and see what was going on. And I explored, but it really, it just wasn't there. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally yeah. understand that. that. Same for me. I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, I've been gay for a long forever. I ain't never, <laughs> guys were never my thing. I remember, I can remember my first question, like kindergarten, I like, I ain't never looked at a guy and was like, man, you know, that's a, no, I never did. You know, you, you see a guy, you're like, oh, that's a handsome man, you know, like, but it's not like a, when you see a girl, it's a different, a woman, that's a different thing, you know, that's a different feeling. So, yeah, so yeah, um, so as far as like, just, you know, in, in the South, um, you know, we can, we can kind of uh, move up a little bit, um, had you ever faced any adversity or felt um, any way about, you know, growing up and, and just kind of existing um, in the South? Well, I never thought of it about being in the South and, in, in, you know, in that respect. Um, I know it's the Bible built, you know, but the only time I really started to feel affected by the, you know, adversity or the negativity uh, was when I became a part of the traditional church. Mm -hmm. 
the church where I grew up, the church where my whole family went, you know, uh, and that's when I first experienced uh, adversity. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that was like, you know, the, the, uh, the, the messages <laughs> are uh, a bit condemning. I, I mean, I've experienced that as well. And, you know, even, even now I'll say, you know, trying to find a church that um, is, progressive in ways that you know we want it to be but also inclusive it's challenging you know um it's it's you know there are a lot of uh definitely a lot more inclusive churches now um but there there there's still those like traditional roots about a church that are important to me and my wife in terms of just like you know uh oh the the pastor the you know the 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 vision of the church the you know the um the vision of the pastor you know the the uh, speaking of the pastor how he delivers his message and you know the the choir my wife loves the choir that's a big thing for her to you know feel the spirit and things like that so finding all those things so I can imagine you know for you obviously going to your home church that's your comfort zone and you're like this is where I know like but then you start facing all these things um being a part of the LGBT community. So at what point did you leave that church? And then you can kind of talk through when you decided to start your own church. Well, um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I grew up there in that church. I was baptized in that church. Uh, and um, when I started to realize that I could not pretend anymore, you know, I could not fit in their box. I love them dearly, but I just no longer fit, you know, and I just got tired of pretending. Um, around 2007, you know, I was already a very spiritual person. I had grown a lot in the church. I cannot take that away from them. I learned a lot. I got my foundation from there, um, you know, and I started growing spiritually. And then God called me and, 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 you know, said, you know, I want to call you to the ministry. You're, you're going to be a minister, you know, and I struggled with it and I struggled with it and I struggled with it. You know, and I'm, I wanted to be sure before I said anything to anyone about it. So finally, you know, around 2007, it was the summer of 2007. And I went to my pastor and I told him and, uh, he hugged me, but this was before anything ever came out about me, you know, you know, I mean, they may have known me as a tomboy, as a little girl or whatever. You so know. you had just told them you wanted to start your own church? Well, no. Oh, um, or you came you out know, to them? They, they, you know, no, he, he hugged me and he, he welcomed me. He said, so you're answering the call. I hmm. said, yes. So I served, I did my first sermon in that church. Oh, okay. In okay. 2007. Mm-hmm. And I served as an associate minister for eight and a half years in that church oh, wow. under him. He sent me to seminary. I graduated from seminary MDiv um, in 2012. And he ordained me in 2012. Um, and after that, he left. Uh, maybe two years after that, he left a new pastor came. Mm. This pastor, you know, <laughs> was different. <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> Here it is. This is when it happened. <laughs> this pastor was different. But the previous pastor, you know, 
you know, as long as you don't say anything, yeah. they may know, and you don't yes. say anything, and you don't get free about it, you know, yeah. you stay in the box. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really say anything. He ordained me and everything, but this new pastor, it's like he came in with some kind of, you know, attitude or something, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, they had set him up to be the pastor and all of that, you know, there's a lot of game playing and stuff and conspiracies and all kinds of stuff going on, you know, but, um, so I just started wanting to be more free, more free and more free. And I started being more free. I would post stuff on my Facebook, you know, and I would, talk about human rights and I would talk about, you know, sexual orientation is not a sin. And people were actually looking at my page and they would go back and tell him yeah. what I put up, mm -hmm. you know. And so one day in 2015, I put up with him for, you know, until two, three years, two, three years. And, um, and one day uh, they had a, uh, a vote you know, they, that's how the Baptist church, you know, the, yeah. they vote about everything. Uh -huh. so they had a vote. This was 2015. If you recall in June of 2015, the um, United States uh, Supreme court handed down the marriage equality, uh, you know, decision. Yep. And, um, and so, you know, all the pastors were going crazy. All the pastors were having a fit. All the, you know, they were having temper tantrums and everything. And they got mad with Obama and they, you know, I mean, just, they went crazy. And so. <laughs> that was the one thing they disagreed with them on. That was, that. <laughs> everything else was cool. Oh, yeah. The phones were cool. The healthcare was cool. The oh, yeah. uh, equal healthcare. Everybody hey. needs a phone. Everybody needs money. Everybody, oh, nope. Everybody can't get married. That's they too far. They lost <laughs> it. They lost it. You know, and it's funny to me how, you know, Black people who always cry equality, justice for all, how you can, you know, get so silent and even angry about the same for the LGBTQ plus community, because some of us are black, you Absolutely. know. A lot of so, us are black. So, so, you know, they had, after that happened in November, that's 2015 in November, I was like, forget it. I cut my hair, you know, I started wearing my hair like I wanted to wear. I'm st sitting in the pulpit still now, mm -hmm. you know. With a, a, with a fade. With a fade, a mohawk. <laughs> You know, at, at that time, it was a faded mohawk, you know, some liked it, some didn't, you know, uh, most of the older people liked it. I mean, did not like it. The younger people thought it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so he has a vote. Uh, it was the first Sunday in November. I'll never forget it. He had a vote. Uh, and the, the resolution was no, no marriage ceremonies should be should be um you know officiated on the campus or at the church on the church property no same-sex marriage mm -hmm. it was staged because somebody got up and asked a question it was staged it was rehearsed you know how they have a meeting before the meeting you mm -hmm. know so somebody said so are you saying this includes the associate ministers even away from the church, even off of church property? And the answer was yes. This Meaning that any pastor oh. of that church can't officiate a wedding of a same-sex couple, even if it's not there. 
There's mm. that. That was my last Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> November 2015. I'll never forget it. And First wow. Liberty was born, opened her doors the following week. I found a little old place, you know, a building with a room big enough for people who wanted to come, you know, because I, I had a conversation with God, you know, I said, you know, I mean, I took leave. I did it right. I mean, I took leave. I, I, I wrote a letter. Uh, I, I asked for leave for three months. And then I wrote another letter of resignation after the three months. I knew I wasn't going to go back. I said, well, Lord, you know, I know you called me. So, you know, you know, and I prayed a while and he, and he said, you know, he, she, divine spirit, you know, mm -hmm. you know, cause God is both male and female. I said, Lord, I, I know you called me. What do you want me to do? I know you don't want me to just sit at home on Sundays, you know, and do nothing because the Lord explained to me not to go back there. Do not go back, you know? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what do I do? And that's when first Liberty start your own ministry where people who feel excluded can come and feel comfortable. People who feel like you feel, you know, people who, you know, are struggling like you have struggled, you know, welcome them because I welcome them. And that's when First Liberty Church was born. And I, I wanted to call it Baptist because I wanted people to know that there is a Baptist church that is inclusive. Yeah. We are not traditional, although we have that Baptist background, but there is a Baptist church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that is all inclusive and yeah. affirming and welcoming. Yeah. And because that's where most of us are from. I'm, I'm from Baptist church. Uh, so I know, you know, that's important. It, 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 it really, it really does make a difference. I think, um, you know, first of all, you know, I commend you for, you know, not for starting the church, but for taking up, putting up with that for three years. Cause I think that's the, that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest things is that, you know, it's not an easy journey. Right. And we all have, um, we all have a cross to bear. We all go through something and, you know, we are all traditional or strategically placed in places to push the narrative. And I believe that, you know, I believe that the church is not exempt. I think that we definitely can um, continue to progress there as well. And so, you know, I commend you for sticking it out because that's really hard, you know, to go in church and, you know, you hear songs. We love gospel music. You know, me and my wife, we love gospel. She's from a Pentecostal church. I mean, she was in church six days a week. You know, we love gospel music. We love to, to, to pray and serve. And, you know, it's really hard when you hear things like you listening to a song and, we pray the spirit is homosexuality and you're like man like I love this song and you know you feel like you gotta skip you know as soon as you get to that part you know you gotta you know or or you know you have the pastors you have that one uh sermon and you're like here we go you know but you love this pastor you know you everything about the 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 ministry is 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 driving your life it's 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 uplifting you it's it's motivating you it's it's driving you and then you're like but do you really hate me though? Like, are you really, you know, so it's just that, that double-edged sort of like, how, how do I get this? But, uh, you know, Baptist being something that's really important, especially for the music. Because <laughs> yeah. the yes. music is different, it you is. know, in, in other types of churches. It's nothing like, 
you know, you just, you just, ha- you know, bowing your head and just feeling that choir, feeling that spirit, yeah. getting a good uh, prayer right before that, that sermon is about to start. It's nothing like it, you know, and, yes. you know, Baptists do it best. I just, you know, I got to put it out there. So, you know, um, so you start your church. Um, what was that? What was those early, uh, those early year? I mean, still, it's a, still a pretty young church, but um, mm-hmm. those first, you know, couple years of just one openly having an inclusive church, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does that, how, what are some of the differences in terms of, you know, I know that, you know, as a church is a nonprofit organization. So just from a, uh, in that community, like the church community, as far as, you know, you can get funding and, you know, members and all the technicalities, um, how was that? And how was that process for you those first few years? Well, as far as numbers go, um, I had to learn not to despise the day of small beginnings. There were some Sundays I was there by myself. I remember preaching a sermon to the angels. I still went on and preached as That's if right. I had 200 people there, you know, because um, I wanted to just continue doing what I was doing. And, you know, I didn't want to get discouraged and, and fall into despair. I knew the people were going to come, you know, and uh, they did. They started coming. We were still very small in number, um, and and but we were going strong. And I had those few and faithful. You know, I mean, I'd rather have a few faithful than a thousand. You know, hellions who start a bunch of stuff and yeah. messy and all this kind of stuff. You know, but I know no 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 church is perfect, but. Uh, but I have, I, and I still have those few faithful. And I must say over the last few years during the pandemic, um, we have grown online at least, you know, we have grown virtually. And so I'm, I'm very, you know, anxious to get back to the building and hopefully they will show up in person, you yeah. know. Uh, but we are going to also stay online as well. But, you know, we will go back to the building. But it was, it was, you know, I had to make sure that I knew God told me to do it because there were some times, you know, that I, I wondered, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, well, well, is this going to work, you know, and, and what's going to happen? You know, we had a flood here, you know, you know about floods yeah. and stuff. So the building we had at that time flooded. Mm-hmm. So we had to find another place and God provided another place for us that was, you know, bigger, but it wasn't freestanding. You know, we had to, uh, you know, be let in and somebody had to be there working the building because they rent a bunch of spaces out there. Mm-hmm. So, but we stayed there a few years uh, up until the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then, so from the, from then on, we, we've been Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, you know, and so yeah, that's, you know, but, but we started growing and, um, you know, we're still growing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, just to, for, from, you know, to kind of break down a little bit for, for people, uh, the importance of your church, right, um, and churches like yours, what's the difference between, you know, an all-inclusive church and a non-inclusive church, right? Because every church, the doors are open to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. But why is it so important that a church have that inclusivity tag on it if that's the case? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great question. And, and 
Uh, I would have to turn to the interpretation of scripture to answer that because, uh, you know, churches will say, I'll call them traditional churches, will say you're welcome, you know, all are welcome, but they will, you know, finish the sentence with, but we got to pray the gay away, you know, um, and with the inclusive church, you're all welcome and already affirmed. You know, we're, we're not thinking you have to be prayed over. There's nothing wrong. You don't have to be, you know, there's no demon. You know, you don't have to be, you know, delivered, you know, from your sexuality. Uh, you are welcome and affirmed as you are because the interpretation of scripture is different. I find that a lot of traditional churches are just repeating what they've been told down through the generations, never really studying for themselves and understanding the scriptures. And so Sodom and Gomorrah had to be destroyed because of homosexuality, because that pastor said it 10 years ago, then that pastor said it 50 years ago, but they don't really understand what was really happening. And we don't have the same interpretation of scripture. Inclusive churches, uh, you know, interpret scripture differently than the traditional church. We know that Sodom and Gomorrah had nothing to do with us. It looks like it, it appears to, to be, but it isn't. If you really understand the scriptures and what happened and what was going on, you would see it from a different perspective. So that's the difference. Got it. So interpretation as with almost everything. Um, so when we, we think about like, you know, the, the, the scriptures, people say, you know, oh, it's not, a, it's not of God to be gay. It's, you know, we got to pray to gay away and we got to do all these things. What is the root of that in terms of biblically? Because that's the, uh, that's the pretense is that, you know, the Bible says X. What are, what, what does the Bible say? <laughs> The Bible is, is, there's nothing in the Bible that condemns same-sex attraction. Nothing. There are some scriptures in there that appear to, to be doing so, but they are not. If you interpret them correctly, you'll see that they are not. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, for instance, you know, you hear about these men coming over there. It says all of the men in the town came over to have sex with the Lot's guest. These two men who were foreigners or guests at Lot's house. And so, uh, you know, they want to come over and have sex with these men. Well, we have to understand that back in, in those days, you know, understanding the culture the Jewish culture at that time, domination was a big thing. You know, you, you had to show that you were dominant over any foreigner that came in. You were dominant over anyone who didn't belong, you know, and these strangers came to Lot's house. You know, well, who is this? Who do they think they are? Well, we, you know, we wanna see what's going on. We're gonna show them. It's almost like, when you go to the penitentiary, the male prison, and these new guys come in, you know, and something may happen to them, 
Yeah, or the more like uh, softer or yeah, not so you know tough guys. Yes. So you know, they, these men and and all of these men. So when the Bible says all of the men, it says all. So do you mean to tell me that all of the men in Sodom and Gomorrah were gay? No, these were heterosexual men who were trying to dominate and degrade these men who were coming through, who are, were foreigners in their area. And even Lot had the same mindset. He said, no, here, take my daughters you know because women were less than second-class citizens you know uh, but that's a different story but it's the interpretation that's not about us these men were not gay they were heterosexual men who were raping other men like what you might have in prison you know yeah. um that that was what was going on and so that's only one scripture, but there are others they use, you know, uh, but none of it is about the LGBTQ plus community. None of it. Yeah. Jesus never said anything about us that condemns us. God never said anything that condemns us. He was against rape and mistreating people and misusing people. And this is what they were doing. They were raping people. Now in Romans 1, verses 26 and 27, and you see where Paul is saying, you know, well, women exchange the natural use of their, you know, no, you probably you know, heard that mm -hmm. one. Um, that was temple prostitution and idol worship. Those people didn't even know God. They worshiped the creation instead of the creator. Mm. That has nothing to do with us. You know, we, we, we were not, you know, what, what that word unnatural meant was unusual because they were using it to worship their gods, little G gods. Yeah. The abomination was idol worship. Mm. That's what, that's what the real abomination is, you know, but it's interpretation. You just have to study. There's stuff all over the Bible that talks about what they were doing you know, and how, how, you know, they, their culture thought of certain things. Yeah. And because of the interpretation of one culture, it just got, you know, it picked up by everyone. And, 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 and uh, here we are today. <laughs> yeah. You see, and they, you know, Setting it, it yeah. You know, because, you know, what, what one word may have meant back then, when you see the word homosexuality in the Bible, if it's in there at all, there is one place where it's in there, but it didn't mean the same thing back then that it means to us today in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. That was rape, you know, but today to us, it means same sex. So we get it twisted, you know, and we think that's what they were talking about. They were talking about rape. And a lot of it had to do with the New Testament with idol worship, you know. So it really, it has nothing, God didn't say anything about us to yeah. condemn us. All, whosoever is who we are. Yeah, <laughs> you know? whosoever, yeah. We are whosoever's. Yeah, you know? yeah. Awesome. That's that's great, 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 uh, great way to break that down. So um, your your social media platform. Um, so particularly Instagram, um, you highlight 
a lot of, um, you know, you highlight the community essentially. Uh, how'd you get started with that um, perspective of, of taking social media in that direction and sharing the, essentially LGBTQ love um, in that way? You know, to be honest, I, it wasn't intentional. I mean, I think God just took it and put something on my heart and told me to do it. And I did it. And I really thought nothing of it. It really wasn't my intention to, you know, show LGBTQ plus love. You know, I just wanted to post something nice, you know, and then I started realizing, you know, this is helpful because people like it, people are admiring it, and it normalizes us, you know, and our love, you know, just like anybody else's love, you know, it, it shows that we're human and, and we're just not some freaky people, you know, just playing around, you know, you know, this is real, you know, and um, I wanted to show uh, real love and that's what it ended up being. And so now I see, and I just believe God guided me through it, but I don't even know why I started it. I don't even know what, I mean, I do enjoy growing the page, you know, but it wasn't my intention. Yeah. It was just something that I felt led to do without knowing what it was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's beautiful. I think, you know, the, what I'll say for me is like the, I know that the symbolism of that, if nothing else for people um, is important because to have a pastor highlighting our culture, our, our sexuality in this way, affirming the sexuality and saying, you know, you're loved here, you know, especially for those who have uh, been, you know, pushed away from the church for whatever reason, but who really truly want to be in worship, you know, and to, to know, oh, you know, they might not know that there's a pastor out there that, you know, is still Baptist, <clears throat> excuse me, still mm -hmm. holds those traditional values that they hold um, mm -hmm. because you feel like you got to go find this like unicorn of a place um, when you're, you know, uh, in a same-sex, you know, relationship or when you're, you know, in the LGBT community period, you know, you feel like you got to go find this other thing to be accepted, but to know that there's a Baptist pastor, a Baptist church that says, no, you are absolutely welcomed here just as you are, I think is, is amazing. So definitely um, appreciate you for, for that as well. Um, for a uh, couple more questions. Um, for people who are struggling, right? Um, what's, what's one piece of advice or one, one scripture or uh, from, a, from a, you know, spiritual perspective, biblically, what's, what's one uh, scripture or one prayer or a song that they can use that can help hopefully lift their spirit? Well, um, I can say one of the things that, that I remember um, helping me a lot was when God said to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God is all knowing. God doesn't make any mistakes. God is all powerful and omnipresent. 
And if God knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah, <clears throat> excuse me, was in his mother's womb, then he knew everything about Jeremiah. He knew who Jeremiah would be. He put gifts and abilities within Jeremiah. He said, I called you before you were in your mother's womb. I called you. I knew you were going to be one of my prophets. And so when God said, I knew you, he knew, she knew, divine spirit knew who Jeremiah would be and what Jeremiah would do. And so Jeremiah is no different from any of us. God knew us, all of us, before we were in our mother's womb. And if God knew us, then God knew who we would love. God knew who we would be attracted to. God knew exactly who we were. And if it was something that, that, that God would not approve of or would not like or would condemn, why would God make us that way or keep us that way? Why didn't God fix it so that we would not be this way? So, so we don't serve a God who allows us to be a certain way or creates us a certain way and then turn around and condemn us for it. Yeah. So God knew us. He knew who we would be. But it's people misinterpreting scripture who get it twisted and they think, oh, God didn't make you like that. God didn't. You weren't born that way. You know, I know too many babies who, you know, I mean, when I say babies, I mean, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. Just walking around, yeah. Who already have the mannerisms and yeah. you know, tendencies, you know. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you just have to know what you know and not, you know, listen to everybody who, because everybody doesn't always know what they're talking about. Just, you know, that's the only way I could put it. Yeah. It's about the nicest way I could put it. You know, everybody just, they're just repeating what they've it's always A bunch of he said, she said. <laughs> that's, all, that's pretty much it, you know. Yeah. But God knew who we would be and didn't have a problem with it. Because if God did have a problem with it, then God would have changed who we were. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, one final question for you. Um, if you had a theme song for your life, what would it be? A theme song for my life. Uh, does it have to be secular? Uh, whatever you want it to be. No, be? whatever you want it to be. <laughs> um, it's a new song. If I, if 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 that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, Good Morning Gorgeous by Mary J. Blige. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like I like I've heard that song a few times. You know, because people demonize us say you know we need to be prayed over and delivered and all this stuff and that we're ruining children and all kinds of hideous things and sometimes we just have to encourage ourselves Absolutely. you know we have to dismiss all of the ne negativity and all of the you know the words that come at us that can really really bring us down if we let it and we have to look in the mirror and just say, good morning, gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely. Whoever you are. Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, I, I definitely appreciate you. Like I said, you know, um, what you're doing is, is super important. And, uh, you know, church is one of the biggest issues for people um, in this community. And so it's, it's, it's incredible to, to know uh, that, that churches like yours exist and you're Black 
that's really important (laughs) you understand you get it uh so so thank you for that um go ahead and tell the people where they can find you um i on social media i'm on um youtube on sundays at 11 o'clock a.m central standard time it's on our church page first liberty church and we are on facebook on thursday mornings for our midweek uh real talk inspirational messages and that is seven o'clock a.m central standard time and that is also our our facebook page first liberty church awesome awesome well thank you so much pastor val y'all already know this is another episode of the queerly black show i'm your host ashley i'll catch y'all on the next one